this being the first service that we have two Sundays. It seems like every every week these days when you come to Life Church, there's something different. How many like the new flags that you saw today out there on the on the on the highway? That was really cool. That that just came up this week. So new things are happening all the time right now. But we wanted to talk about reorientation because sometimes sometimes when you're running, you know, you feel like you're running, you're you're right on track and you're running toward. But there's times in life when you feel more like you're running away or, or you're, uh, you, you know, you're just running from something. And so we're going to look at one of those today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 28. If you don't, the scripture will be up on the screens. Genesis 28, verse 10. A little background to the story. How many remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Jacob and Esau were these twin brothers that uh, even before they were born, it was prophesied that Jacob would receive the blessing, even though he was the second born. Normally the first born receives the blessing, but he's the second born, and they struggle in the womb. Long story short, in order to get the blessing, he had to participate in some trickery and deceive his brother, and his brother ends up selling his birthright for a bowl of soup. And and uh, so where we pick up the story is when Jacob is now running, but he's not running to, he's running from. He's running from his brother because his brother wants to kill him because he just, he just got what, what was rightfully belonged to his brother. He tricked him out of the blessing, and so now he's running. But he was God's appointed one to receive the blessing. So in verse 10 it says, Jacob left Beersheba and he set out for Haran. By the way, I, I studied that that's a 48-mile run. So I ran 26 miles one time in 5 hours and 50 minutes. That's very slow for a marathon. You can do 48 miles in a day. But if you covered 48 miles running, walking, you're probably, you're probably pretty afraid of something if you went 48 miles in one day. So he goes 48 miles. And when he reached a certain place, he stops for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heavens, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you'll spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring." I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called that place Bethel, meaning the house of God, through the, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow and said, If God will be with me, and by the way, um, the commentators say when it says, If God will be with me, it really means since God will be with me. In other words, what, what Jacob is saying is, is God, if you're going to be that kind of God, if that's the way you are, if you're a God that when I'm out on a 48-mile run and I'm running for my brother and yet somehow you give me a dream and you promise me all this blessing, God, if you're going to be that way, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, 
then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of that you gave me, I will give you a tenth. So it was time to run, but not for the the reasons that we normally think of. He's running from his brother. This story reminds me of uh, a friend of mine by the name of Brent. And this goes back to when I was in Illinois. In fact, I was just a young pastor in Illinois. I was 29 years old. And um, the pastor of the church that I followed, I followed a great pastor in this church, uh, Morris Bagwell. Uh, In Illinois, I pastored another great pastor, and he had been in the church for 35 years. Uh, It's hard to follow a guy who's been in the, his name, his last name was Worley, and everyone in town just knew our church as Worley's Church. Everyone just called the church Worley's Church because he'd been there so long. The guy had been on the radio for 35 straight years uh, uh, when I got there. And so here I am, 29 years old, a kid. And, 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 and this Pastor Worley's son had been scheduled to take the church. He had been the associate pastor. He was a wonderful preacher. He was the natural choice. But life, uh, life just uh, kind of... life just kind of got he just kind of got messed up in life and decided to leave the ministry and uh so the church was disoriented and uh so he left the ministry and as a result before i became the pastor all of his relatives left that church so when i got to that church all of the relatives of pastor worley uh, were gone from that church and when i came to the church not knowing it or better i just started making changes you know it was a church that was that was kind of uh, a dying as a result of some of the pain that they were in. And we started making changes. And uh, one of the first changes we made is we, we uh, changed the name of the church. My parents were part of my church in Illinois. And my mother used to tease me. And instead of being Christ Community Church, she called it Change Community Church. Because we were always changing stuff. And so we started making changes. And we changed the name to Christ Community. And it was a building that the front of it was somewhat like this. And it had one of those, how many of you have seen the church signs, the, the brick signs that have the sermon uh, with the removable letters on the front, you know, but it was, but the, but the sign was faced in a way that you had to sort of rubberneck your head uh, to look sideways at the church when you were driving by to see the sign. So I'm thinking, you know, uh, uh, why don't we just take that sign down and we'll move, we'll, we'll turn it so it's perpendicular um, uh, to the road and so that traffic going both ways can see the sign We'll make it electronic. We'll make it uh, be ready, you know, so that people can see it. And so we did that, and that's when I met Brent because I was sitting in my office, and I got a knock on the door, and this guy walked in, and when he walked in, his face was red, and um, I couldn't tell if he was mad or sad, but he, uh, he, he pointed his finger at it and said, You tore the sign down! And uh, I said, yeah, we, we, we um, and I, I explained to him why we were doing that with the sign. He goes, that was my grandpa. And he said, um, I used to play on that sign. When we were kids, we used to get on that sign and we would play on that sign. And, and now you've torn it down. And, and, and Brent and I got to know each other that day, and we had a tender conversation about the pain that it was for him to see 
his grandfather's church, changing the name, and now the sign was coming down, and, and he was seeing all of these things happening, and it was a, a difficult time for him. And so I invited him to walk outside with me, and we walked outside, and next to the building was a, was a pile of bricks from that sign. And I gave Brent a brick, and, and I said, you can have as many of these bricks as you want to to, to remember that sign. And, and uh, Brent and I became friends. In fact, later he became part of our church there uh, in Murfreesboro. But it just reminds me that, that how many know that even progress can bring pain? That even when you're going through changes, and, and the changes might be good changes, you know, there can be those times in your life when you are disoriented. And so uh, Brent was disoriented. That's the first point this morning. Life sometimes takes painful, if you're taking notes today, and unexpected turns. I remember the, the, the Christmas that I went back to my hometown in, in Ottawa, Illinois, just in time to see a wrecking ball um, coming up against the grade school that I grew up in, and Shabanaugh School was being torn down. And I remember watching that crane tearing my old school down, and it just felt like my heart was coming out of me. And I, I grabbed a brick from the rubble, and I kept it to remember the wonderful memories that I had there um, at that school. A few weeks ago, we were tearing a wall down in the lobby that used to be the church office, and, and uh, David Weeks was tearing it down. I think I saw you. You're back there, David. But when, he, when uh, David and Lee uh, were, were doing the, uh, the destruction work, uh, and uh, when they destroyed, they, they, they showed me all of these little cars that they found inside the walls. They were these, and now they were antique cars. They were antique uh, little toy cars that had been that, that had been left in the inside of the walls. And and the former pastor of this church, I put the picture up on Facebook, and Paul Cowell wrote a little comment on there. He said that his mother used to have a daycare center back there, and those were probably some of the cars that the children played with uh, in the daycare center and uh, and David Weeks offered to take those cars off my hands. And uh, uh, Wasn't that you? Oh, come on. It was you. Admit it. No. Who did it? Eddie. Okay. Eddie took him. Okay. He's, he's not taking any blame for that. But anyway, uh, any, anyway, those, those were, and, and, and actually David and Lee were telling me some great stories about the good old days and how it uh, seemed like every event there was homemade ice cream. And I thought, you know, if we had homemade ice cream every Sunday, we'd really grow this church. But uh, anyway, they were just telling about some of the good memories. Um, um, and so here's Jacob who's got all of these memories at home. His, his you know, he was a mama's boy, and I imagine uh, uh, he and his mama used to watch Hell's Kitchen together because they liked to cook. No, it wasn't he- Heaven's Kitchen, I guess. But anyway, they were they 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 liked to cook and and do all this stuff. And now here he is, all by himself, forty eight miles from home, running from his brother. Doesn't know if he's ever going to see his parents anymore. The next point I want to share this morning is that we walk by faith, but we are reoriented by God's presence. When we talk about walking by faith, I think sometimes when we think about walking by faith, we just kind of think, well, I'm a Christian. We just walk by faith. We, 
We never get to experience anything, but, you know, I'm going to be miserable, but someday heaven's going to be my home, and I'm walking by faith. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we're just walking by faith, not by sight. We're just, I'm, just, I'm just walking by faith, you know. I never, you know. Sometimes I think that's how we see walking by faith, but I don't think that's what walking by faith means. Because walking by faith means that I can't physically see what I'm heading toward, but it doesn't mean that you can't see... Faith is spiritually seeing. And I want to ask you this morning, Life Church, do you see what I see? I was talking to Chris this morning as service began. It was the, you know, it's, it's kind of a nervous time. It's the first time we've ever done two services. I'm thinking maybe nobody's going to be there but Noah this morning, you know, and I'm going to preach to Noah at 9 o'clock, you know. But, you know, I just didn't know what was going to happen. Fifty-five people came at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm thankful for that. But anyway... So that was uh, that was awesome, and um, but I turned to Chris and I said, "Chris, we're on the beginning of something amazing that God's going to do at Life Church. This is a small beginning, but, but but if you can see what I see this morning, if you if you have if you have eyes to see what I see this morning, if you can spiritually see, we walk when, when it says we walk by faith and not by sight, it means that we walk by spiritual sight, not by physical sight." We see things that other people don't see. We, we're in touch with something that other people aren't in touch with. But I also have to say that along the way, I don't know about you, and I know that we can't live on experiences, but how many of you have had God show up in your life at certain times that helped you to keep walking? And what happens is, what happens is it reorients your life. You're in a time of life when it just seems like nothing's making sense right now. I'm running from my, I'm running from my brothers, and and, uh, and and now I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. And suddenly God shows up, and He has this dream. And and when the Bible talks about Jacob's ladder, you know we we always picture like a ladder that we a painting ladder or something like that. But most commentators say that was probably like the side of a mountain when they would cut steps into a mountain that was called the ladder. You would walk up the mountain. And so in his dream, his, his head is on, on, on this little mountain of stones. And in his dream, that mountain grows up all the way to heaven with God uh, up at the top of the mountain. And there's these, this ladder that's going up and angels are coming down and they're going up, back up to that mountain. And he experiences the presence of God. A couple months ago, a thief came uh, into our neighborhood and he came into my driveway and he broke into my car and he stole my, um, I'm making assumptions, he, I don't know who it was, but uh, he stole my uh, my uh, laptop and he stole my iPad that were in my, and, 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 the, and, the, and frankly, the computer was old, and but uh, but but the truth of the matter is, there were some pictures on my computer that are irreplaceable. And he took all of those from me. And there were pictures back of our church in Illinois, because I told you that story about changing the name and, and, and all of those kind of things. And uh, when, we, when we did that, when we changed the name, uh, the church began to grow. And just a little bit over a year after that time, we, we moved out of our church. We sold it to another church. And we moved into a gymnasium. Now, now it's weird trying to have church in a gym. 
you know, you're trying to invite the presence of God there, and you got uh, like basketball uh, hoops. You, you know, you know, when you invite people to come to the altar, you're inviting them to the free throw line. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, 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 it's just a kind of a weird thing. And I remember, wow, I don't know what's happening here. Anyway, presence of God, I think, actually. I don't know what that is. Talk amongst yourselves here. Do what now? Is that better? We'll see. Anyway, um, so anyway, he, t- he took this computer, and, and on my computer there's this picture and the picture on my computer that he, he stole from me, but he couldn't take it out of my heart because I still see it today. And the picture is of a service that we had in that gymnasium, and there's 25 or 30 young people on their knees on that gymnasium floor with their hands in the air, tears coming down their eyes. And the presence of God came into that little gymnasium. And this disoriented church was reoriented again. When we get away from God's presence, we can get disoriented. In Psalms, David talks about um, a time when he was disoriented. Actually, it's not David. It's a psalm of Asaph. Uh, It says this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are of a pure heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped, and I nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant. He's saying, "I'd I'd lost my perspective. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. How many of you ever look at the people who are not living for the Lord and it just looks like they're doing good and how come we're suffering over here? You know, I remember when I went away to college, how come they're having so much fun, you know, and, I, and, and I'm this Christian here and I'm not, having, I'm not having fun. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. He looks at the wicked, man, every one of them is strong. None of them have any struggles. They're free from the common burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. This is what the wicked are like. They're always carefree. They, they go on amassing wealth. R- sinners just keep getting rich. They're healthy. They have fun. Man. And, 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 and he's feeling disoriented. And he says, all day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. And then when it says this in verse 16, when I tried to understood this, it troubled me deeply. And then it says this, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Verse 17 of Psalm 73. When I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruins. Have you ever had that time when your perspective was off and you were disoriented and you came into the presence of God and suddenly you, you got a new picture of the, of, of, of the wicked and not, their bodies aren't always strong and they're not always uh, having a good time, but you, you, got the, you got the eternal perspective on things and so we are reoriented by the presence of God. The next point is that we reorient by making memories with God. That's just a little definition I wrote for this sermon of the presence of God. Making memories with God. We all, we all need those times when we, when we make memories with God. We have to have those certain places like, like, like Jacob did where he built an altar and he said, man, you, this, this was so amazing. I'm going to build an altar at this place and I don't ever want to forget this place so I can come back to this place from time to time and I can remember on that day, God met me. I had a dream and I saw the angels that were going up and going down and I'll never forget that moment. We are making memories with God. 
As the moving truck pulled away from 3336 Harrison Road, the mood in our van was melancholy, to say the least. This was our home in Illinois. How do you leave the home where your children grew up in a Norman Rockwell-like setting? Our yard in Murfreesboro, Illinois, backed up to Lake Murfreesboro State Park. That little church that I told you about in Murfreesboro grew to a church of about 500. We built a $3 million auditorium on 27 acres. We had a Christian school. Everything was beautiful, and I was planning on spending the rest of my life there until God called us to Knoxville. Our yard in Murfreesboro backed up to Lake Murfreesboro State Park. Our kids hiked in those woods. We swam in our swimming pool all summer long. We had five acres that we shared with deer and turkeys. To the uninformed eye, it looked like we had a lone blue spruce gracing our front lawn. It was huge, but our family knew the story. That was our first Christmas tree in our beautiful southern Illinois home. It was just a little blue spruce that we had. It burlapped in our home when we celebrated our first Christmas, and we all remember on that cold December day after Christmas that we went out into the lawn, and we planted that tree right in December. And as we left Illinois, it had grown to be a mammoth marker of the early days of our family. my children taking a picture of the rear view mirror and the house in it as we left. We had bought the home when it was almost brand new. When we took possession of it, it was less than two years old. It still had the new paint smell. When we pulled away, we were so exhausted from being disoriented from this new call that even though the trip from southern Illinois to Knoxville is only a day trip, we couldn't make it to Nashville, Tennessee without pulling off to the side of the road and all of us falling in a heap of exhaustion and falling asleep in that truck, disoriented. We pulled away. There was silence and tears. We played a melancholy CD. When we were leaving our area, we stopped one last time at the Mexican buffet that we used to love to eat at. It was staggering. We moved to a lovely home in a lovely neighborhood in Knoxville, and wonderful people helped us unpack, but they were people that we didn't yet know. We came to 1015 Cedar Lane, where you are this morning, to preach our first sermon here to a small group who had gathered. But everything was different for us. And while everyone was kind, we were completely disoriented. What do you do when you're disoriented? What do you do when you leave everything that's familiar and you go to a place that's, that's wonderful, but it's... It's new and it's unique. And how do you, let me put it this way, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Let me tell you what's happened for us in two and a half years in Knoxville. In the 
Hills Little Church on 1015 Cedar Lane, the presence of God has come into this place. And we who were disoriented became <coughs> reoriented again. Life can be disorienting. Some of you started your life with a marriage, you started your marriage off with a bang and then somewhere along the way things changed. Maybe a divorce came. You're disoriented. Maybe it was a tragic death. It left you disoriented. But then God's presence comes us again. We walk by faith, but we're reoriented by God's presence. So what are we going to do, Life Church? We're making lots of progress. Every Sunday there's a new change here at Life Church, it seems like. If we're honest about it, along with the joy of it, it's also a little disconcerting. And I talked to a I talked to a college student that came last Sunday who doesn't live here and so he just comes back occasionally. I said, what do you think of all the new changes? He said, he says, just to be honest, he said, everything, everything is aesthetically pleasing. But there's part of me that's like, oh, it's not the little church that I grew up in. That's honest. How do we reorient? How is this place going to become home for us again? It's going to become home for us we experience the presence of God. God's presence, this is the last point, causes us to run again. When you, when you just run so hard, you can't run anymore, and you fall down in a heap, and your only pillow is a stone. God's presence can how you are, God. That's the way it's going to be. You're that good. You're going to be that good. I'm going to set up a stone as a pillar. This is going to be God's house. Of all that you give me, I'm going to give you a tenth my God. So Life Church, yes, it's time to run, but God wants to reorient us. And I just want I just want to encourage you for the next few moments. We're going to go into our worship time now. Did you kind of try to forget about the person to your left and your right? And only you and God know what's going on inside of your life right now and inside your head and what kind of transitions you're going through and maybe how disoriented you feel. The Holy Spirit's here this morning and He wants to remind you how much He loves you, how much He has a wonderful plan for your life. So God says something to Jacob. He says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. That's not a new message. That's the message He gave to His grandfather message he gave to Abraham. That's the message he gave to his daddy Isaac. 
now he says to Jacob, just like I was with your grandpa, just like I was with your daddy, I'll be with you. I've got plans for your life. You can get up and you can run again because God hasn't forgotten you. Let's stand if you would and let's worship the Lord. Invite God's presence.